I am so happy to be here with Chris and Marissa, who have been veterans in the fitness industry. They have over 50 years of combined experience. And the reason I brought them on the show today to talk about outdoor programming for group fitness is they have a lot of experience teaching and programming and hiring for outdoor fitness programs. So my first question to them, we're just gonna ramble through our questions together and each, each of them are going to share their own ideas and thoughts. The first question I have for them is when you are considering for programming a group fitness or outdoor class, what are the considerations you have to have? So in previous posts, I've talked about like the weather and things like that, but how do you think about that when it comes to timing, type, and talent for your outdoor classes? Well, I think uh, just to kind of open up, we presented for NASM Optimal a while back on outdoor programming. It was a really cool presentation. Um, so just kind of to frame this whole discussion is we broke it down into three areas and it was legal, logistics, and location. So just as kind of an overarching thing before we get into the uh, time, type, and talent, you know, legally, if you're going to do something outdoors, you got to make sure that everything is dialed in correctly. So that means make sure your insurance covers you, make sure that you have all the proper waivers in place, make sure that you have the permits in place, first aid, CPR, AED, a proper waiver that covers the people that are training outside. So legal is never fun, but it's essential to make sure that you protect yourself and that you do everything the way it should be done. And then everything that we share today can apply to those of you who are solopreneurs who are wanting to do this on your own, or for those of you who are like Stacy, part of a larger club and are considering doing some outdoor programming. So the second thing in the L's, the logistics, is thinking about really going through the client or member experience and where are they going to put their stuff? How are you going to store your equipment? What equipment are you going to bring and how will you do it? Things like how will you know who's there? How will you keep attendance? Um, what pricing? You know, if you're maybe doing a special event, it's free, but maybe you're charging. How do you figure that all out? Um, and then collecting money. So these are all things you need to think ahead of time so that you're not scrambling when the time comes for doing your outdoor event. Right. And then finally, the third L for this particular presentation was location. And you just have to consider with your location, make sure that it's convenient, that it's easy to find, that it's safe, that it's well lit, that there are bathrooms. You know, you'll find tons of outdoor space, but without a bathroom, it's uh, awfully challenging to create a great workout experience outdoors. Um, but things like that play into it. So, you know, finding outdoor areas that have diverse features is cool as well. But again, that's kind of a high level view of those three things. But now back to your original question, which was uh, time. What do you have to consider? So just in general, you're going to do the same sort of considerations that you would do if you're doing programming inside. So there are those of you who teach. There are those of you who run people who do group X instruction. And you're not often going to have a 2 p.m. class because you know that people aren't going to come at that time. So you're going to think about the times that are most popular before work, maybe during lunchtime. Uh, some people call it the mommy mafia. So after they drop off their kids at school, that's a very popular time. And of course, the after work segment. So all those things that you think about when programming in general will also apply outdoors. And with those times that she's talking about, by the way, um, you know, you're lunchtime class is probably going to be less challenging than a before work class because you're not dealing with darkness and time change. So I mentioned with location being well lit is really important because um, actually when we were running that pilot location for be military fit, 
it was great. And then the time changed and we freaked out. Then we realized there was a small area that had lights that went on with a certain timer. We actually had a really great experience. Marissa was texting me madly one morning because apparently they come on like 10 minutes before class. She was there, you know, 20 minutes to set up. And in the like, dark, dark yeah. by myself, unloading kettlebells in the park. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, yeah. So, so we were fortunate because we're like, oh, my gosh, maybe the lights don't come on. And this is going to be a really interesting uh, workout concept called workout blind. You can't see yourself. But everybody so, write that new class down. No. Yeah, yeah. New format coming this year. Uh, but, you know, things like that, you do have to make sure that is there adequate lighting. Um, there's another outdoor brand called Camp Gladiator, which they're branding now as CG. But um uh, we were listening to uh, one of the women that worked for Camp Gladiator, and she was mentioning that in the morning, because the ground is so wet for their early classes, they'll try to find more concrete spaces or more solid spaces to be outdoors versus they like to be on the grass because it's softer when it's drier in the afternoon. So you just got to kind of consider the terrain, the lighting and all of those different things. And then understanding, okay, now that it's, you know, when our morning class was super dark, our night class was fine. And then the time changed and now our night class was miserable, but the morning class was bright for a while. So, you know, I think just being aware that those things happen, because those are some of the small things that we forget or don't think about. And we learned a lot, you know, we didn't think about that until we went through this experience and going through that, we figured out all the little details uh, that you really have to be aware of. But as Marissa said, you have your typical times that are good. And then you just make sure if you have times that are going to be challenging due to darkness or area or whatever that you put in the proper protocols and make sure that that actually does work. And obviously some things to consider as far as time of year is uh, apparently we in Southern California are big babies about the weather. So when it started getting cold, people are like, oh my gosh, it's in the forties. I'm going to wear my gloves and my beanies uh, in Seattle. Of course, you have a hardier breed that is used to being outside in the rain that doesn't like melt in the rain. If you were in Michigan, there's people who would probably enjoy the snowy elements. This be military brand, they're out of the UK and it is crap weather almost year round and they are outside year round. So there is a seasonality to it, but it really depends on your location. We found that we were just a little less tolerant of diversity in weather here in California. And what was interesting is uh, I had a conversation with a friend the other day and we were talking about the UK versus here and the weather. And she said, even if you're at a bar in the UK, it's always cold and you're always outside and it starts to rain and you're like, oh no, it's fine. And you keep drinking where here, everybody freaks out. And they're like, how do we get inside as quickly as possible? We can't be in this rain. So it was very interesting. And we take out our iPhones because yeah. like, look, it's raining. Um, but the other thing to, to, to consider too is, uh, and Blair McKinney had said this once, people's threshold and tolerance for temperature and things like that are much bigger outdoors. Mm-hmm. Inside, you know, with your club, you could switch the thermo- thermostat two degrees and people are freaking out with complaints. <laughs> yeah. and yeah. Outdoors, you got a much bigger threshold. So there is a bigger threshold and that's good. But as Marissa mentioned, seasonality is something to be aware of. If you're going to run these programs and you're counting on them and you're counting on your members to come, you are going to see, I mean, there'll always be a hardcore group that doesn't care, right? They're like, I'll be outside, rain or shine, darkness, doesn't matter, temperature, but expect, and, and as you're forecasting and modeling that you're going to see dips at certain times of the year based on, you know, daylight savings time and, and weather as well. Yeah, I think we were talking to Meredith, who's the AGM over at Cooper, and they have an outdoor boot camp class that runs year round. And they thought they were going to be pulling them in. Uh, but those guys are outside. They're enjoying it. They're going to yeah. stay with it. And uh, 
so that's something that they didn't expect, but you're just going to read your people and base it off what they enjoy or don't enjoy. And, and anecdotally, because uh, Marissa and I taught some of these classes with this pilot location that we were working with Be Military Fit on. And uh, I remember teaching in the rain the first time and it was awesome. I took some selfies with the members and we're wet. And after the first time, I was like, this stinks. So it wasn't for me, right? I, I didn't want to be yeah. in the rain all the time. So you do have to wear that, that, that may be a little bit of a novelty to some extent too, unless you find a, if your avatar is that hardcore workout group that wants to be in all conditions, which you can build a business around that. And side Absolutely. note, in eight months, we had three days where it rained. So the first one was fun. The other two were horrible. <laughs> it was horrible. Oh, one time I could see my Chris. breath in the morning. <gasps> no. <laughs> it is so true, though. There really are those diehards. And something we found that has been successful is doing the more reg regular classes with those diehards and then having the fun, more event type classes for the, the people who we kind of could plan at those timings that were better weather. But as you have all heard, there's so many considerations for these classes that the reason we're talking about this right now in January is that you should be thinking about it right now. So if you are programming for the better months of the of the year, this is a good time to start thinking about it. Um, any other thoughts on that time type talent? Yeah, well, you were going to share a little bit about type because there are some different types of outdoor programming that you can consider. Yeah, so I, I do think, you know, a lot of stuff arose during the pandemic and some will come and go. Some have already went. But I do think there is a place for outdoor programming. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But, you know, think about, you know, BMF was be military fit. Not the 50 Cent uh, show, which is very popular, <laughs> uh, which made searching us on the Internet almost impossible. Um, <laughs> But uh, uh, with BMF, that was a standalone outdoor product. So maybe you're a solopreneur that says, I want to do a standalone outdoor product. That's one way to go about it. You'll see facilities adding dedicated outdoor areas and some doing a really good job. So, you know, putting a canopy over it, putting heat lamps, plants, making it a really good outdoor destination. So you've got like sort of annexes to facilities that are outdoors. You've got standalone products. Then you've got things like pop-up events where you're just doing stuff on occasion outdoors, um, you know, or special events, those type of things. But just keep that in mind that, you know, utilize the outdoors and maybe for your, your demographic base, it's great to add an ongoing outdoor position to what you're doing or once in a while, as, as you kind of mentioned earlier, just something fun for members to get outdoors on occasion. But there are different ways to go about executing outdoor programming. So find out which one you think works best for you, if, if at all. And the I love this. Oh, go ahead. Marissa. Sorry. No, the great news is if, uh, as opposed to two years ago, there's a lot of companies that are building stuff to make your outdoor yeah. add on. Like, yeah. so Beaverfit was one of the companies that we worked with and mm -hmm. they're doing some really cool things for those of you who have the area and the budget to be able to mm -hmm. do a standalone kind of thing. I just think that's super cool. Or Equinox is into the wild where it's mm -hmm. always outdoors. It's here in Century City. I think they might have some in New York, I don't know, but it's always outside and it's always there. Mm -hmm. And you were yeah. Oh, I'm just happy that uh, Chris distinguished that they this doesn't have to happen at like a park. This could definitely happen at your facility if you if you are able and willing to build the space. But it's a it's distinguishing the two and how you could even use a combination of both in different ways because we found that at a park we are able to kind of advertise for our other programs or get people who are in the community interested in what we do but i think there is a lot to say because of the past few years and all that's been happening having your own space seeing that value what what's been happening 
I know. I, I can't say it on YouTube. It's not allowed. <laughs> I've learned from other YouTubers. Like, Don't oh, you, say the word. Yeah. You can't? Okay, that's good to know. I know. You I know, should and, probably and, educate my guests on that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Stacey, kind of to, to sort of wrap up the type, the one thing too is about being outdoors, whether it's an annex to your facility or a standalone or a pop-up, make it deliberately outdoors. Yeah. So as we were working with the BMF brand, Anytime we did any kind of programming, we thought to ourselves, we got to create a program, uh, an exercise, you know, you know, workout format that simply can't happen indoors. Mm-hmm. So maybe it takes up more space than you can ever have indoors, or you found a location where there are bleachers and rocks and a little hiking path. So you want people to go to that and feel like this is a real deliberate outdoor experience. I think what worked during the pandemic sometimes was let's throw some equipment in a parking lot. But the only reason that worked is because that was the only option people had. But if you want it to be a viable option moving forward, it's got to be a deliberate outdoor experience that people can use in addition or um, instead of being inside. So again, the decor matters, um, how it's set up matters. Make it deliberately outdoors. We're not outdoors because we can't be indoors. We're outdoors Mm -hmm. because we want to create this really cool outdoor experience for you. It has a different intention. And even the name, like you had said, Equinox is in the wild. Like that's a brilliant name. That's even the naming of it and the branding of it could be yeah. really wise if it's specific. Yeah, yeah. We, we had thought of a brand called We Do It Outdoors, but uh, <laughs> we do that, it outside. <laughs> yeah, that that gives the right message. <laughs> no, no, that's all right. Make some pretty cool t shirts that I'm sure mm-hmm. would sell. Uh-huh. Yes, good swag. <laughs> and then, type wise, I, I think you could be pretty flexible. You know, if you asked us five years ago what could go outside, we would have been, you know, anyone training for a Spartan, that's a great outdoor workout, or, you know, training for a run of that kind. But we found that there are things that work in all kinds of places. Like, for instance, yoga could be great outside. The studio mm-hmm. I went to was doing outside yoga in the parking lot next to a major street. That didn't work very well. But when they went down to Malibu and did it on the beach, I love that. Or a really, like you shared the pro club had a really cool park with a stage. That's That's really cool. cool. So, you know, we have one of our instructors who used to teach Zumba. She's doing Zumba outside and people are loving that. So I think type, you know, Mm -hmm. has a little bit more flexibility now than it did before. But it's just, again, like Chris mentioned, it's tailored to what you're doing and what your goal is. Yeah. And and remember, you know, 21 days is the tipping point for habit, 60 days cements a habit. So with outdoor and virtual, where somebody might have prior to the pandemic said, I I couldn't do Zumba outdoors. That's ridiculous to even think of that. Well, they were forced to for long enough that it became the norm, sort of like training on Mm -hmm. Zoom. Stacey, if I asked you prior to the pandemic, hey, do you want to work out via Zoom? You'd have been like, Dude, you're out of your mind. And now you wouldn't think twice about it. You, you seek that out. Mm-hmm. Kind of like happy hours. If I said, hey, mm-hmm. Stacy, let's have a couple of cocktails via Zoom. You would have said, you're a weirdo and you need to see <laughs> immediately. Um, yeah. Now everybody's no. having virtual happy hours all over the yeah. place. right? So, mm-hmm. you know, now it's normal to do those things outside. And as we were preparing for this, we were kind of chatting through some of the stuff you wanted to discuss. You know, I, we brought up different formats outside and I said to Marissa, I'm like, no yoga outdoors. And she's, as she said before, no, no yoga in a parking lot where you can hear a street and cars honking, but yoga on the beach is wonderful. So to your yeah. point with type, yeah. it, it depends yeah. on that location. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so now if we could talk about talent. So when I say the word talent, I really mean the type of instructors who would who tend to thrive outdoors i've found during the pandemic my, on my own and my own experience that there 
there are definitely those instructors who I think consider all of the things that we've had to talk about already, the considerations. They understand there's a lot more to teaching outdoors. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to know what are some characteristics of the talent that you found when it comes to having good instructors outside, as well as what were some of your tactics to teaching them and helping them understand what the expectation is? Well, I think first and foremost with talent, this goes for indoor, outdoor, any position in your club, culture fit, culture fit, culture fit. So when bringing somebody on board with the BMF brand, they had to understand this is what the brand is, this is what it represents, and you're on board with that. So regardless of position, outdoor, indoor, again, the most important thing with any talent you bring on board in any role whatsoever is that they fit the culture and that they buy into the mission, vision, values. Because if they don't, it doesn't matter where you put them, it's never going to work out. Yeah, and I know, Stacey, that you've shared that Pro Club has some pretty high standards when it comes to instructors. So when you're asking more, because most of us know instructors who teach at a lot of different places, when you're asking more of them, which is what we do when we ask people to teach outdoors, uh, they're ready for it because they're used to going above and beyond. And that is the point. If you are teaching outdoors, it's going to be a lot more work for a lot of reasons. So it has to be someone who's willing to put in the effort. You can't just show up to class, have the equipment set up and pop on your headset and go. You yeah. have to prep. You have to be flexible. Let's say the park that you were going to be teaching and all of a sudden turned on their sprinklers. So they have yeah. to be quick thinking. They have to be flexible. <laughs> And they have to be, uh, they have to enjoy the creativity. We've had a lot of instructors who love, you know, thinking of things and uh, coming up with like, oh, I'm going to have people running with logs over their heads. You know, they thrived mm -hmm. on that stuff. So obviously you're going to pick people who enjoy that. And then as far as getting them ready for that, it's part of that same whole onboarding, like uh, role-playing scenarios. You know, we had people who were like, ew, my hands are getting dirty. So, you know, just role-playing all the yeah. possible scenarios, uh, talking to them about what things that could come up so that there's nothing. I mean, obviously there'll be some unexpected things. Mm -hmm. We showed up one time and the whole playground was dug up because they were replacing the equipment. We're like, oh. Oh, wow. Prepare for everything, but you, yeah. you have to just onboard and train and role play and coach and and do all the same things you would with just an added element of surprise i think yeah and, and marissa made a good point with the onboarding and preparing with absolute clarity on how to do this well what you don't want is like with be military fit that brand uses a van full of kettlebells and all this equipment so instead of saying hey you're going to go teach a class here's the keys to the van good luck you know yeah. here's the best method you see how many people are in class there you know how many kettlebells mm. to take out. And here's how you set it up. So being absolutely clear in, in how to go about this so that they're doing it in the most efficient and easy way possible and that they feel confident. I think the other thing too, and not that this doesn't apply to indoor teaching, but you're in public. So the level of professionalism, uniform, all of that stuff, because you are now not just the eyes of people who are already members, but every single person in the community that drives by sees what's going on. So the instruction, the body language, the command, uh, respecting the area that you're working out in, um, all of those things matter because every eye on the community, not just your facility, is on you. So that people have to understand that this is a very public role and they're representing a brand or representing a club and they've got to do that to their best ability at all times. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. It's a double-edged sword, right? So that, that's the drawback. But mm -hmm. the fact that you're outdoors and being able to promote you know, your business, whether you are a solopreneur or a club owner or a club manager, that's such a great opportunity to have visibility and brand awareness. Yeah. And we'll kind of touch on that in general. Yeah. And, and, yeah, please do. 
letting them just letting your talent talent know, hey, listen, we're going to do this the right way and and exhibit the highest level of professionalism possible. And it is going to be a huge differentiator because most people don't. What you see outdoors is mm-hmm. somebody taking money, looking around, slipping in their sock, and they've got no <laughs> permits. They've got no, no they might not be certified. So yeah. very distinguished when you understand body language, uniform, how to set things up correctly, um, and and really be that really good professional looking mm-hmm. public persona that's going to help you differentiate and grow that grow that business. And there are other benefits, obviously, to being outside. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, when thinking about doing this, there's a lot of things. We just discussed the brand awareness. So what a great way to let everyone know what you're doing and whether it's just to promote your club, your business, or to even do some sort of charity and goodwill with the community. A Mm -hmm. lot of people who do outdoor stuff might welcome the community to come in and let's just do the first Saturday of every month. We're going to do, you know, social Saturday and the whole community is welcome. So you're doing goodwill for them. It's obviously something that will differentiate you uh, during the time when we were in a different place, right? That's code. Um, <laughs> yeah. But one of the studios that I went to was the only one that was doing outdoor programming. Everybody else was just completely shut down. And for those of you who know California, that was a full year of being closed. Uh, And for her, the studio owner that we worked with, that was such a great differentiator. Like she was the only one and she was gaining members, not losing members. So that was a huge benefit. And as things are starting to get a little sketchy right now, Mm -hmm. being outside is such a good thing. We're seeing that people are thinking, well, okay, no, I, I maybe don't want to be inside still. Let's go outside. So it's something that's mm-hmm. going to help you in times when being mm-hmm. inside is not ideal. Uh, you also have tons of room. So yeah. if, if you were limited to only five people, I know Washington and Oregon had really stringent uh, mm-hmm. rules about capacity. You don't have to worry about that outside. Mm-hmm. So th- that's another benefit. It's super fun, by the way. People they have smiles on their faces. Mm-hmm. It's good for you. All of us are lacking vitamin D. So there's a lot of benefits that come with outdoor programming, whether it's a standalone program or from time to time. And you're going to use those benefits when you're marketing to your potential clients or your current clients. Mm-hmm. These are the reasons why outside is so good. So make sure you're using those. You may know them as a professional, but you need to make sure you're educating your clientele about why it's so good. And I think to your point, Marissa mentioned fun, right? Yeah. And fun is really important for several reasons. One, you know, um, Stacey, you've got a background in fitness and, and Marissa as well. And some of the listeners, um, we think what's the most efficient way to get fit. And when I was asked that question back in my executive wellness days, they're like, is it better to run or ride the bike or elliptical? I'm like, whatever you're willing to do. Yeah. Right. And if something is fun and enjoyable, you're willing to do it and do it on a regular basis, you know, to stay consistent. And that's when you change yourself and you get healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that fun aspect can't be overlooked. And, you know, um, in this past two years or so, um, fun is needed because there yeah. were a lot of, a lot of people that were upset and depressed and, and, you know, lost some socialization. So, so bring something that's not just good for you on a health aspect, but is fun. The world needs more fun and happiness right now. Mm-hmm. And outdoor programming will allow you to do that. The flip side to fun for your staff. So you're, you're some of your team that you decide is the right talent that's teaching indoors. Hey, we're going to have a blast. You're going to mix it up, go crazy outdoors in a very professional legal location. <laughs> way. But, but it, it mixes things up for them, yeah. breaks the monotony and allows that piece to be fun. Yeah. But I think ultimately kind of to, to bring this whole thing together is. And before mm-hmm. you say that, there's one thing that I made uh, that 
that you reminded me about. Uh, we talk about people coming into clubs, especially now in January, right? Who are mm -hmm. intimidated. They know they have to get healthy. Uh, mm -hmm. They're scared about going into a gym. It's intimidating. And there are mirrors everywhere yeah. that might reflect yeah. how out of shape you are that show you so that interesting. Like yeah. everybody else. you don't have that in the outdoors. You mm -hmm. literally do not have to look at yourself or worry about other people looking at you mm -hmm. because there are no mirrors. That was one thing that we, it was like an aha moment for us when we were like, mm -hmm. because we had a lot of people who didn't enjoy being at a gym. And that was mm -hmm. one of those quick things that we came to realize. Yeah. And to really die, uh, make that very uh, tangible for you. One of the formats we did was called combat and it was a rhythm based class. So it was more like a, you know, a cardio kickboxing to the beat where indoors you've got 50 fit people in a room. And if you don't fit that mold and you don't, and you're not on beat, you're out outside. Yeah. Everybody literally was going to their own beat <laughs> and having a blast and having the fun that we talked about. And awesome. uh, literally to their own beat. Yeah. People that would have never done that same experience indoors. I mean, Absolutely. now that I think about that, I'd be willing to do outdoor Zumba because I wouldn't have to see how bad yeah. I looked, right? So That's so uh, funny. But yeah, I mean, but to bring it all together, I mean, really, you know, outdoor programming is, you know, we don't believe that it was something that came and now will leave now that people can go back indoors. It's something yeah. that if you do it correctly, can add a lot of benefit. You give people an mm -hmm. option. So people that just want the outdoors or won't ever feel comfortable going indoors or want to go outdoors sometime, right? You yeah. give them that option. And if you give... The more options of great programming, whether indoor, outdoor format type doesn't matter, the more options you give, the more you make people show up, have fun, be happier, continue to come, improve their health. That's what we're able to do when we do this stuff right. And I'm not sure that there's anything better than that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I What a great way to end this topic. And I can't help but think about that fun factor and add a layer of community to that because that is also so important. These people who enjoy the outdoors or have they're, you know, in the rain, there's that sense of community of the weather sucks, but we're out here together. We're in this together. And, um, and yeah, I think I agree with you. I, it's definitely not going away. It's definitely something that was happening before and will continue to, to happen. People's, um, people's environment has changed a lot when it comes to where and how they decide to partake in fitness. Um, so, thank you so much again, Chris and Marissa, for joining us today for the group fitness report. Well, thank, thank awesome. you, first of all, for not only doing this and putting out great content and education to help fit pros get better at what they do, but thanks for having us as your first ever guest on this brand new show. It's a brand new show. They were the first one. So no, I'm so glad. I appreciate you saying that.